How's it going? Well, let's just go ahead and kind of put it out there. Talking about giving can be pretty awkward, right? can be pretty uncomfortable. Whenever I was uh, in seminary, there was a guy down the street from me. His name was Tom. He owned a Harley-Davidson. And uh, I tried for months and months and months and months and months. Tom is what you call a little rough, you know, a little on the rough side. Um, and I tried for months and months and months and months and months and months and months to get Tom to come to church with me. And he had been kind of burned by a church and wasn't really, wasn't really into church at all. Um, recently divorced and he had bought his new house and he had his kids every Thursday and Friday or something like that. And um, I feel like Tom needed Jesus. And so I would work on him every every time I got a chance. And I would, if I could figure out some, some help I need. Oh, I need help with, you know, this. I'm going to go ask Tom to help me. You know how to fix stuff. And I didn't really even need help, but I just would go ask him sometimes. Um, eventually, got to know Tom pretty well. And I was like, come to church with me, Tom. He's like, I'll come to church with you. I mean, months and months and months. And he came to church with me. And on that Sunday, I'm not lying, the guy preached about money. I was like, this, I was, this is going to be awesome, Jesus. Just save Tom today. Pastor's going to give a good gospel message, and Tom's going to get saved. It's going to be awesome. And the, guy, the pastor came out that day, and he said, so today we're going to talk about money and how giving's going. And I was just like, oh, man. And then on the way, I mean, we weren't even out of the door, and Tom was already talking about how the previous church he had been and how the pastor had talked about money and was money hungry and that he probably wasn't coming back and blah, blah, blah. He wasn't interested in churches that just wanted to talk about money. And like the pastor there never talked about money, like ever. And they did that one day. And I was just so talking about money can be uncomfortable. It can be, it can be uncomfortable. And so my, my goal today is to not make talking about money be uncomfortable. Um, and it's uncomfortable because you see some churches, the way they spend money and it's just kind of silly the way they spend it. it. It looks like, are they really spending money on that? That's, and it's hard for us to kind of gather whether that's appropriate or not or whether that's right or not because we, we may not be familiar with that or our church doesn't do that and that kind of stuff. But um, maybe that's why I haven't talked about it over the last couple of years. We hadn't really even broached the subject of giving. Whenever we were preaching through Galatians, there was one little verse that kind of talked about it. So it was one of my like sub points where I kind of talked about it a little bit. But today we're just going to talk about it. And so let me, let me say this. Um, my goal here is not to get you to like give a huge sum of money. That's not at all. My goal here is just to talk about your heart, not to talk about an actual number or anything like that, but we're just all going to talk about our hearts and whether we have generous hearts or whether we don't have generous hearts. That's, that's really where I want to kind of land. We're, we're, we're in second Corinthians. Um, so if you have a Bible, you can flip it there to second Corinthians. We're going to be in chapters eight and nine, chapters eight and nine. We'll be in the first part of chapter eight. For a little bit, and then we'll jump to the last part of chapter nine for a little bit. So, Second Corinthians eight and nine, and, and here's what's going on. Um, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's making an argument with them, um, not in a mean sense, but in, a, in the sense of a philo- philosophical argument. He's basically um, trying to get them interested in this. He's saying, "Look." Um, there are some other people called the, Ma- the Macedonian area, that, those region of churches, they're pretty poor. And whenever I was doing some work, they supported me like crazy. Like this poor group of churches in Macedonia supported me like crazy. Corinth, you guys are loaded. You guys are loaded. And look what they did. And he kind of puts on display Macedonia, the Macedonian churches, and, and how much they supported him. And he's saying, see that, Corinth? I want y'all... To be like that. 
I want y'all to to be excited about giving. And it's about your heart just as much as the churches in Macedonia, because they were poor and they supported me. You guys are rich. Think what you could do. That's kind of so we're kind of peering in to the argument that Paul's making, you know, 2000 years ago and how he's trying to help the Corinthian church see how the Macedonian church was churches were doing it. And he's trying to say, look at that. And we're going to be peering into that argument and kind of pulling it forward and applying that little that thoughts to ourselves. So here's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to look at that whole that whole argument that Paul's making in Second Corinthians eight. Um, there's four things that I want you to see in there. At the third one, we're going to peer over into 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to look at what are some of the results of being generous. All right, and then we're going to come back to point number four in 2 Corinthians 8. So um, let's go ahead and look at it. Um, let me pray. Let me pray before we jump in, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look at it. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for today. God, I thank you for um, an opportunity to be able to preach every week. And God, I pray that you would help me as I, as I speak today on giving, Lord, that would we wouldn't, at the end of the day, be thinking about um, money, giving, dollar signs, um, although that probably will be part of it. But really, at the main, main thing I want us all to look at, including myself, Father, is where is our heart in relation to being excited about being generous? Where's our heart? Do we want to be generous people or not. And so, Lord, I pray that if we could do that hard work, if we could do that real reflection of ourselves, look inside and see if we're generous people or not, that I know the amounts and those kinds of things take care of themselves. And whether it's supposed to go to a church or an organization or sponsoring a compassion child or helping the homeless shelters or giving it to crisis pregnancy or, or whatever, Lord, those things take care of themselves. The Holy Spirit, I, I trust completely. And so I'm not concerned about building remedy church's budget at all. I, I just want us all to look at our hearts and see whether we're generous people and see whether that's a, a true spiritual indicator of ourselves. So Lord, as we look at your text, I pray that you would, you would lead us into truth and that we would, as we read it, be changed by it and submit to it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read a couple texts before we get going. This is in Matthew 6. Just listen. You don't need to flip. This is Matthew 6. This is the first one says, and I, what I want you to hear as we're looking at these couple texts, and there's a ton of them, but what I want you to hear, the main thing is, as Jesus and the Bible talks about money, it doesn't just talk about money in general terms. He always connects it to where your heart is, where your heart is. This is Matthew 6. Um, it says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is another one in second and first Corinthians. I'm sorry. First Timothy six. It says for the love of money. This is the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So we can see that one of the things that God's wanting us to see as we look at the Bible and look about money is that giving and how you give and whether you're generous is always connected to where your heart is spiritually. So if your heart isn't engaged into generosity, then it's going to reflect back to where you actually are spiritually. Not generous, not growing in sanctification. If you are generous, 
then you are growing in sanctification. He wants, he wants you to see that it's all about your heart rather than anything else. All right, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, and we're going to look at kind of the, the argument that Paul is making to the Corinthian church about Macedonia. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So you can already see he's he's pointing Corinth over to Macedonians and they are poor. I mean, they don't have anything hardly an extreme test of affliction. They're overflowing with generosity. Let me there's more verses to, to this point. But let me just go ahead and put up the first point that I want you to see. This is the example of generous giving. We're looking at the Macedonian church and their their example. Here's the first thing in verses one through six. And he says, overflowing in a generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this was and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So let me just kind of point out a couple phrases to you in these first six verses to let you see what this example of the Macedonian church should look like, what it looked like in their lives and what it should look like in our lives as we think on giving. Look at some of the phrases that he used. Um, Verse two, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme property, uh, poverty, we can see that they were poor, but out of poverty, they still gave with joy. They were excited. They were joyful in giving. Another verse is um, in verse three, it says they gave according to their means, but you can keep going. It says and beyond their means. So giving is linked with um, being sacrificial. Uh, Christian giving as we give to the Lord is linked with being sacrificial. So what that means is this. Whenever you give, and it doesn't necessarily mean to remedy. It just means as you give your money away for the work of the gospel, whether it's to a local church or to compassion or to whatever, it's supposed to kind of hurt a little bit. It's not, okay, I've got all this money built up. I've got tons. I'm going to take this little portion. It's not really going to bother me. I'm going to throw it away and give it to these people. It's whenever I have money that God gives me, because it's, it's not what you own. Whenever you pick whatever amount that you're going to start giving away for the year, it's supposed to hurt a little bit. It's supposed to require some faith. It's got to have some sacrifice to it. It's going to be, all right, I, I know I can give this, but if I give this, that means times are tight. That's probably getting into where it should be because God wants us to give out of faith. If I give that, God's going to have to show off in my life and show me that he's going to meet my needs. It, there's, a, there's a bit of sacrifice when it says, and beyond their means, of their own free will. And look at the verse four, begging us earnestly. They were, please let us give some more, Paul. We know we're poor. You know our condition, but we want to, we want to give more. Please let us give more. You can just see the sacrificial nature in their hearts there. And then it says, um, verse five, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. Accordingly, we urge Titus as he started, so he should complete this among you, this act of grace. Now that, that little phrase act of grace is going to be something we're going to, we're going to keep, uh, Teasing out a little bit as we keep going. But remember, this is an act of grace. Them giving was a work of grace in their life. 
All right, so let's let's go to the next one. All right, here's the next part. This the second part that we're going to look at in verses seven through eight. He's already given us the example. Now Paul is going to start pushing into the challenge. You can see this is point two as he's challenging them now to radical excelling in generous giving. He just gave them the example of the Macedonian churches one through six. Now he's going to turn it a little bit. and He's going to say, all right, Corinth, here's here's my challenge for you. But as you excel. Oh, this is so good. As you excel in everything in faith in speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and love for you see that you excel. And there's that little phrase act of grace also. So we can see that he, we know he's talking about giving. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that you that your love also is genuine. Now, this is this is pretty interesting. All right. I want you to see this. He's commending the Corinthian church. This is brilliant. Paul, he, he doesn't just say, look at Macedonia, get it together and give. He, Paul never does that. Well, sometimes besides Galatians, um, he usually uh, starts giving them some compliments, building them up, encouraging them, letting them see the things they do. All right. So look at what, the, what they do well. And he says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge and earnestness and love. You've got a lot of good things going, but let's also excel in giving. Let's also so Remedy, let's just let's just pull that to us here and say, where are you? Are you excelling more in speech and faith and knowledge and earnestness and love and not giving? Because Paul and Jesus is not saying that, well, as long as you excel in some of them, things are good. He's saying you need to excel in love. You need to excel in knowledge. You need to excel in earnestness. Um, But you also need to excel in giving. Why? Verse 8 tells you. Because excelling in giving shows that your love is genuine. We just went through 1 John. Hopefully we all got challenged for love. Look at what he's telling you. We want to see that your love is genuine. Not just in words. Not just in earnestness. Not just saying, well, I really want to give. I have this desire. I'm ready to do it. That's not what he's saying. It's also do the act, do the act of grace, because when you do that, you show that your love is genuine. So he's he's kind of pushing them now into the challenge in verses seven through eight. Now, Paul, being a thoroughly centro uh, gospel centered kind of guy, centro gospel centered kind of guy, doesn't want to just throw out this command of give because God wants you to. He, he wants to root it back into the gospel and let you know, let you see why to do it. Because if, if I just stand here and I just say, come on, get it together and give. You're supposed to give. Come on. Well, then you some of you might do it. Some of you might not. But um, whenever you're looking through the Bible, whenever you're looking through stuff, it's, it's, I think, far more helpful. And I think it's the way that the word should be taught is if you can see how this always traces back into God and the gospel then that's going to be far more encouraging and far more enticing for you to follow through with whatever's being told. Everything finds its origins back in the gospel. And so Paul's just going to do that in this. This is, the, this is number three. The argument that he's making that they should be generous givers and the, the excelling in being a generous giver, he roots it straight back into the gospel. Look what it says. So number three, point three is argument based and rooted in the gospel itself. All in verse nine. If you're looking for a verse to memorize this week, memorize second Corinthians eight, nine. For, you know, the grace. Now, remember, 
He just talked about in verse seven, the act of grace of giving the last the last couple words in verse seven was how you and I are supposed to give our money. And when we do that, that's an act of grace of giving. Now he's going to use that same word and he's going to say, what's the act of grace that God gave Jesus? God did an act of grace as well in our lives when he gave us Jesus. So here in verse nine, he's telling us, for as you know, um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might by his poverty become rich. So the reason why you're supposed to be a generous giver is not just because you're commanded to, but because God is a generous giver. God, looking down at our condition and our lostness, had compassion for us and gave us his son. We were poor and he gave us his son and now we have forgiveness. And so just like God would be a generous giver to give us Jesus, as we become Christians and as we walking out the gospel in our own lives, we're supposed to be like Christ. We're supposed to be just like God and we're supposed to give. Now, we can't go and die for people. <laughs> That's not the point. We're not supposed to go die and try to save them like on the cross. But the way we're supposed to be givers, the way that we're supposed to do it is be like Jesus, be like Jesus and be a generous giver towards other people. Now, here's the here's the most interesting thing to it. Um, God gave us Jesus. God gave us Jesus so that we can receive forgiveness and we're saved by grace through faith. So the grace that God gave us was Jesus, but we're saved by grace through faith. So there is a work upon our part, which is faith. But God also gave us faith. In other words, the gospel means that God gave you everything you need in order to be saved. He didn't give you some. He gave you every single thing you need to be saved. He gave you the grace of Jesus and the faith in which you need to put in Jesus in order to get saved. Everything you need was given by God. So Paul's argument of you to be a generous giver is rooted in the gospel. Because God's a generous giver. You're supposed to be a generous giver. All right. So what we want to do here is jump over to 2 Corinthians 9 um, at verse 6. And what I want to do is just give you some results. We're, we're going to stop. There's one more point in 2 Corinthians 8, which we're not going to do yet. I'm going to come back to that. So we've already seen what he's done is he's given the example of Macedonia. He challenged them to a radical giving in verses 7 and 8. And then he made the argument and rooted it in the gospel. And so what I want to do is jump over to 2 Corinthians 9 and let you see if you are, if you would be, if you would say, okay, I believe this. I think this is right. I, I am all for what you're saying. I believe it's biblical that I'm supposed to be a generous giver. What are some of the results of that? What happens? Why should I be it? What, what happens when I'm a generous giver? I want you to see that in 2 Corinthians 9. Um, so let's, that's not good. Um, let's look over at 2 Corinthians 9, um, verse 6. It says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So here he's given us a principle. Um, so it's kind of the sowing reap principle. He's saying that if you would give a lot, then you will see a lot. But if you're just going to give a little bit, you're only going to see a little bit. So here's one of the results. Here's the first result. If you're going to buy in, you're going to say, I believe that this is true. Here's the first result. Um, if you would see, if you want to see big things happen in your life, this is 
3A or whatever you want to call it. If you want to see big things happen in your life, be in the habit of being a generous giver. So the first result is you and I, if we would be generous, the result is that we will get to physically see with our eyes. It won't be the other people who are like, man, God's all over them. That's so cool. It'll be in our life. We will get to see in our life big things happening for God. God will use us to see lots of salvation. God would use you. If you would have a generous heart with your money, you, not other people, not your brothers, not the pastor, not other churches, you will see big things happen in your life. That's result one. And I know result one seems kind of self like, well, that, that's all about me then. But don't you want to see good things in your life? It's not like the opposite of that is, well, I don't want to see good things in my life. I just want to nothing. No one wants that. So, yes, the first result is a little bit kind of over in your direction. Like, yeah, this is for me. But I think the opposite of that is insanity. Like, I don't want big things. Now, here's one of the things that I would ask immediately. Like, the first question I would say is, oh, that means I got to be rich then. I got to be rich. I mean, it says, um, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, I'm broke, <laughs> so I can't sow bountifully. What am I supposed to do? I'm in college. I can barely eat. Like, all I can eat is ramen noodles. I, I will never see big things happen for God. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that that's not true. And I think that gives you a, an excuse to not be generous. Um, you can, of course, sow bountifully in your time. You can, of course, sow bountifully in the resources that you have. You can sow bountifully and still see big things happen. It doesn't have to be financially. If God blesses you financially, then it can be financially. But you have the ability to sow bountifully. Now, I want you to look at verse 8 and 9 before we look at 7, because 8 and 9 go with this, this sow and reap principle. Look at verse 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the point is this. If you're lacking, God has everything. Look at verse nine, as it is written, he has distributed freely, is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. There's not ever going to be a point where God's just going to be lacking in stuff. It's like, like, oh, no, what am I going to do? We've run out of money. Like if God runs out of money, he can just create more like he we can't create. He can create. He, he created the world. There's never going to be a time where God runs out of money ever. So we don't need to think of it in terms of God's going to run out. So I got to be careful. God will always be able to supply more, supply more, supply more to you. All right. So let's go to the second result. Let's go to the second result. Verse seven. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right. So the second result is this. The second result, if we would be generous, the second result is generous giving won't be done under compulsion, but with a cheerful attitude. The second result is you will not give with tight hands and a cold heart and just, oh, I'm supposed to do it. you won't do that. The second result is that you will give cheerfully. You will be excited about giving money away. It won't be some kind of, oh man, I really hate parting with this. Like you will always be excited about giving. So that's the second result. And let me just kind of throw this out there to think about. 
Um, if you think God needs your money, if you think God needs your money to accomplish his purposes, then you probably won't give generously. You probably won't give generously or cheerfully. Um, God has all the money he needs and doesn't need yours to accomplish his purposes. He's going to do it anyway. It's not like dependent upon you floating God some money this week to be able to accomplish it. And if you think it's that way, you probably won't give generously. But if you realize that giving your money is not about helping out God and his lack, but more about your heart. It's about your heart, your personal sanctification, where you are spiritually. If you realize that that's what giving is about, not about God needing your money to do his will, then you will give cheerfully. You will give generously because you know it's all about your heart. You know that your sanctification is about this. And I want to be sanctified, so I'm not going to hold on to my money tightly. I'm not going to give it under compulsion because that's not that's not giving generously. So the second the second thing that happens, the second result is that you will start giving with a cheerful attitude and it won't be under compulsion. All right, so here's the next thing um, in verses 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's saying God's the one that gives you the seed. God's the one that gives you the bread. Everything that you give is given by God to you from the beginning. You didn't make it up on your own. It's all given to him. The ownership is his. You're just a steward of it. God owns everything, not you. Um, It's all God's. You just get to steward it for a while. And then it says he will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. For you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity. And notice the end of verse 10. It says that there's an increase of harvest for your righteousness. And in verse 11 says you will be increased in every way for all your generosity. So. The third thing I want you to see, the third result is this generous giving increases God's blessing on you. Generous giving increases God's blessing on you. And it it might not be it might not be that that means you're going to make more money. Generous giving on your behalf doesn't mean that God's going to say, oh, he's very generous. Let me just start giving him tons of money and letting him make or her make tons of money now. It doesn't mean that it could be that the way he wants to bless you is like it says in the end of verse 10. The end of verse 10 says, increase the harvest of your righteousness, which I'm hoping that all of you care more about. So generous giving for you means God will bless you and make you more righteous, make you more sanctified, make you more like Jesus. So that's the next blessing or the next result is that you will increase in blessing and it could be that it's now going to be because of your righteousness going up. All right, here's the last one. And this is verse Verse 12 and following, it says the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing and many thanksgiving to God by their approval of this service. They will glorify God because of your. Let me just go ahead and tell you point four, then I'll read it. Here's here's the fourth result. The fourth result is generous giving results in making worshipers of God. So your generosity will result in people becoming worshipers of God. Now, you'll see it in the verse. The ministry for the. 
ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. You can already see right there. There's worship. There's thanksgiving. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God. There's more worship right there because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of the contribution for them. So notice that 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 little two prong sentence there. It's saying whenever you're giving and you're going out there and you're being generous, you're creating worshipers. How are you creating worshipers? You're creating worshipers with a the confession of the gospel. So the first thing you're doing is you're telling them about Jesus. And while you're telling them about Jesus, you're also meeting physical needs. That's what it says when it says and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon them. So what he's saying is that while you're going out and creating worshipers by being generous, you're not just meeting physical needs. And that's part of it. We're going to go out and we're going to meet physical needs. We're going to help people. But while we're doing that, we are trying to make people become worshipers by giving them the gospel. Like there's, there's no hiding that. It's not like some kind of secret agenda. You're just trying to convert me. Yes, we are. You're on a pathway towards hell. And if you don't believe in Jesus, if I don't tell you the gospel, then you will go there. And I don't want that. So it's really important that we see that making them become worshipers of God doesn't just mean throwing money at them. It doesn't just mean that now that I'm generous and get, meet all your physical needs, you're going to become a worshiper. It's also by the confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've kind of been using different language as I even talk about this now. Whenever I'm talking about building relationships with people, I've switched it a little bit. And I've said building friendships because relationships can still seem kind of superficial. Like I'm just building a relationship just to convert them. But friendship means I'm building a real friendship with them. I want them converted, yes. But if they don't, it's not like, well, they didn't get converted. See you later. We're done. It's it's I'm going to stay here. We're friends. Like I want you to come to know Jesus. But if you don't. We're friends. It's not kind of some superficial, I'm building a relationship with you in order to convert you. It just feels weird. So I've, the language, and maybe it's just in my head, I'm switching the way I talk. I want to say I want to build friendships with people. So whether they get converted or not, I'm their friend. I'm meeting their needs and I'm telling them the gospel, but I'm their friend. That's how I want you to think about it. So those are the four results. And notice this little thing here. I think this is amazing. Um, in 15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Just to remind us again of the gospel, remind us again that this is about Jesus. He didn't say thanks to you for your gift, Corinthians. I know you're going to do it. He says, thanks be to God for his gift. Just to point you back and say that the most important thing, this perspective here, the most important thing is the gift of God, of Jesus to us. Thanks for that. And based on that, I feel like you're going to be generous. I feel like you're going to be generous. All right, let's flip back over to eight. So those are the the results. And what Paul is going to do here, um, back over in chapter eight, remember, he gave the example of the Macedonian church and said, you can do this. And then he challenged them in verses seven through eight. Come on, do this. And then he rooted it in the gospel in verse nine. And when in 10 through 12, he's going to use the language. Here's the fourth thing is he's going to encouragement to endure and persevere in generous giving. So this fourth thing here is now that he's made the argument and he believes that this is going to happen, he wants to encourage them to not just be kind of spur of the moment. Oh, you got me, Paul. Here it is. But next week, 
whenever you've built up more money, when you've got your next paycheck, that you do it again. And next month, when you've gotten your next paycheck, you do it again. And next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year, that you become not just the spur of the moment, I feel guilty, you made me cry, I'm going to throw it all at you now, but in a year, I'm all the way back to the same spot. It's that now, he wants to encourage you in consistent generosity. That's why it's about the heart. It's not about making you emotional right now. It's about you having a heart that is moving towards generosity so that there's continual perseverance in giving. Look at this. So the encouragement to endure and persevere in generous giving. Verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So we can already see it's been a year and that he wants them to desire. And then look at this. So now finish doing it as well. He's encouraging them to finish. And Jesus is encouraging you to be a finisher. Like if you are saying yes, if you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 and whatever age you are, you're saying yes right now. Then you need to finish that. If you're 20, that means you got to finish. You got 50 more years of being generous. So finish it so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it. Notice that I'm ready to do it. All right. Complete it. Don't just be ready the whole time. Then do it. Your readiness and desiring may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what the person has, not according to what he does not have. So if you have it, then you should do it. Not just kind of stay in that one place of I'm, I'm ready to do it. One day I'm going to do it. It's do it and then be consistent. Finish well. Be a person that's going to be generous for the rest of your life. Here's the thing. Um, all evidence, at least for this church, and this is the only church I'm responsible for. I can't say anything. I think God can reach the kingdom in Rock Hill and other churches. And I think God will build the kingdom in other churches in Rock Hill. But all I can say is this is the, this is the church God's hold me accountable for. So this I'm challenging you. But based on all um, previous things, you guys are generous. I should say y'all. I'm from the South. Y'all are generous. And I, I just want to ask you to encur- encourage you to continue in that generosity. And let's see what God does through us. Because we know that he'll bless us. We know that we'll see amazing things. The sow and reap principle is true. I want to be a church that sows bountifully so that we can reap bountifully. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth, God, that we can be generous people based on the gospel. It's not based under compulsion. It's not based on emotion. It's not based on us just feeling guilty. It's based on the fact that you are a generous God by giving us your son to die on the cross for our sins and giving us the faith that which we need to, in order to be saved. You, you've given us everything. And so because of the gospel, we can be generous people. We know it's all about our heart. And so, Lord, I pray for all my friends here. I pray that they would be sacrificial givers. I pray that they would be generous givers. I pray, Lord, that they would be cheerful givers. That their heart and their attitude would be excited about giving. I pray that my heart and my attitude 
would be excited about giving. God, I, I believe in this church. I believe in the structures and the ecclesiology we have. I believe that we can be used by you. I believe in the community that we have. I believe that you've given us um, great ideas for making disciples. I believe that by your grace and your grace only, we can see people be very sanctified in this church. We can see people become strong disciples. We see lots of accountability happening in our church. We see people wanting to kill sin. I believe in this church that you've let us be a part of. And I pray that we would all believe in it and that we would be generous and that we would invite people into this community of faith and see them be changed. And Lord, we know that anything that's your plan will be fully funded. And so I pray that you would use us to do that. God, I love you. I pray that you would be with us now as we turn into worship through song, as we've looked at our heart, that as we go into song now, that we would just be real. Maybe if we look over our our finances and we see, I thought I was generous, but I'm not. We would just be honest. We would be honest. We wouldn't play a game and say, yeah, I'm generous, even though we know we're not. And as we worship, Lord, that we would resolve in our minds to turn it over to you. And that you would change our hearts. You would move. You would forgive. That we would confess maybe if we have been not a giving person. Because we know it's not about percentages. It's about a Christian giver who loves to be generous because his father is generous. Be with us now as we worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.